Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We try to bring in uh, good guests who can talk. This is this guy knows knows how to do that for sure from his years in radio and from his years sitting around the council table here in Hamilton. Uh, he is now um, retired from that <laughs> latest position, but is more than making up for his lack of civic duty right now with a just a spectacular November m- Movember mustache. Jason Farr. You're right. Yeah, part Welcome of, a, part of a, a broadcast that I'm doing. So is that, that right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're having a little, Mike and I on the hammer down are having a little bit of a, a contest. Yeah, I started two weeks early. I'm oh. winning early, but I only started two weeks early because neighbors, your Tiger Cat Stadium announcer, he can grow a mustache just thinking about it. Yeah, right? just flexes his upper lip and it pops out. I, I am one of those guys. I am. Uh, you'll notice that I do not. I've, I'm bald on the upper. Lip. I I don't know why. I uh, at my age, I should be able by now to grow a mustache. You still can't. Grow I it. grow even I, a cheesy. I can grow a decent beard if I wanted to, but for some reason, the lip, the upper lip, just never gained traction. Right, and it's like the worst, ugliest, most pathetic mustache if I try to do it. I look like I'm one of those guys from that Kung Fu show where they got like four hair. Yeah. You know, they, they got, what was the guy in that? And it was like, just like wispy. Right. And it was like, no, that's, that's not. Major, major savings though. If you look at the price of razor blades today. Well, you still got to shave the beard. But the, you don't go through as much if you've got less to shave, right? It's, uh. It, it's like 60 well, bucks for a yeah, I know. 40 pack at Costco. Well, it's the same as everything. But, but you know, it does help that my wife is. My wife has no desire for me to have facial hair, yeah. and that's been made abundantly clear again and again. Sure. So, mm. you know, it's yeah. it's good that I'm not that guy. Like, there are people, I, I went to school with a guy who showed up at, for grade nine, and I didn't know who he was, because he had grown over the summer from grade eight to grade nine, right. a full, thicket beard. Like, right. there was not a millimeter of skin visible on his face, and it's like, how yeah. do you do that in grade nine? Right. Yeah, the football coach probably approached him. and Well, I, who knows what was – I'm always amazed by this. Like, the Leafs are playing tonight. They're playing Nazem Kadri. Here's another guy. Mm-hmm. Nazem Kadri, you watch him, you watch some other guys, they can grow a beard in mm-hmm. just like that. Yeah. Uh, not me. Yeah. No, nothing, none of that. Uh, thanks for turning the game off, Scotty, by the way. I, I'm taping, and I'm, I'm superstitious when it comes to the See, Leafs, but I'm pretty close to giving up on them. I don't know anybody. You, it, w- just before the show started, we had the, the TV in the studio on, and it was on the channel for the Leaf game later because at some time we, we played here, and Jason said, hey, I, I'm going to tape it and watch it. Can we not have it on right now? And I was like, fine. I don't know anybody who tapes and watches sports events. Oh, I t- tons. Golf especially. I do... My problem is, especially with the boys, you know, you get the text chain with your friends, and um, if they really want to get under my skin, they, they've been very good uh, over the last few years, but um, if they mention, you know, an update in the score just to start a text chain conversation, Does that ruin it? It, it kills me. It kills me, and I I'm, I'm literally need to seek help. <laughs> for how upset I get because, like you say, nobody does what I'm doing. But I literally want to watch it as if it were live. So I stay away from any source that may even leak or even comment. Ask my son. He thinks I'm crazy. We got I, into it the other night. He mentions Connor. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the Blackhawks phenom. Oh, Connor Bedard. Bedard. And he knew I was driving him home, and he knew I was going to run down to the man cave and watch the Leaf game that I had taped three hours later. So the game was over. 
And the minute he mentions Connor Bedard, I said, I know what you're doing. You're trying to start a hockey conversation. This is just going to lead to what's going on with the Leafs. And he goes, you're crazy, Dad. I don't know. How, well, I, I just, even when I have done that before, I've tried taping it, I just end up eventually just saying, ah, forget it. What's the score? Just tell me who won. I do that with NFL because the YouTube channel on the NFL is great. 12 minutes you can catch all the best plays and you don't have to sit through fast-forwarding commercials and all of that, unless it's one of my three favorite NFL teams. Uh, you are the, literally, <laughs> you are, I think, the only person. I, I The only one I know. Who tapes sports and watches it. I even found that I used to watch, and I don't even know if the channel is still on. What, what the heck was it called? The uh, It used to be all the old... Um, like the old sports things. I can't, what was I? Oh, anyway. classics, ESPN yeah, classics. ESPN classics, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And even then, like every yeah. once in a while I would watch a little bit because you'd, you know, either marvel or laugh at how they played in the old days. Right. But I would never sit and watch a whole game. Yeah, I can't do that either. Well, the equipment, the jerseys, it's kind of neat for a few minutes and then, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm what you would call tape to air. I won't watch. If I miss the Leafs tonight, I, I never miss the Leafs. This is the weird thing, too. And I can't believe it because I went decades not revealing that I'm a Leaf fan. I stayed in the closet forever. Uh, but I will only watch a tape to air. So at three, four hours latest, or I'll, I'll – and it's very rare that I don't do that. I'm weird that way. I just – I like to fast forward through commercials. Mm. I like to – have the peace and quiet, but it's very difficult to not have scores revealed, especially oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, it, it, just in general, if you have a phone, you will find out somehow. Yeah, it'll ding, or because you probably have an app that tells. Oh, I, I turn the alerts off. I'm crazy. I'm telling My you, goodness. I've got it all figured out. Scott. You must. You, we're going to have to take lessons from you about how to completely. Because I'm not even worried about sports with this. I want to be able to some days just insulate myself from having to hear anything going on in the world because it is too crazy. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Although well, I can teach you. If you're listening, that's not what you're doing right now. No, <laughs> no. Is, save that till after 8 o'clock. We do have a lot to talk about. We have about, a lot so, to talk about. I'm looking about. forward to this, and we, I thank you for the... No, the it's uh, great to come in. Great we can have you in here. Uh, lots, as I say, local and otherwise to get to. Uh, so next week is going to mark one year since this council was sworn in. And they came in on a promise of change that was what this was supposed to be the change council right so it's probably somewhat unfair to get you to comment on whether they have achieved change we'll get to that in a second whether they have or haven't but what would be the how would you determine what would be your gauge to determine if they have succeeded in doing what they were supposed to do, allegedly, which was bring change. I mean, you can say, well, they've changed things. Okay, but what things? Like, how do you, how do you decide if, uh, if the change that was promised has been achieved or, or started to be achieved? Well, transparency would be one of the criteria, right? I mean, I just think back to that group, um, we elect or I elect or uh, who really, uh, uh, you know, poked the bear that was the council that I was a part of and, uh, you know, started that whole um, change movement and transparency was one. Uh, accountability, all of those political buzzwords that yes. uh, just about every campaign and any candidate, whether an incumbent or otherwise, uses. Um, uh, engagement, I heard that a lot. Are they getting out there? Have they 
changed from previous councils and are talking to the people more? You know, and if they are, are they doing it effectively and successfully? I know you've had conversations on this program uh, in the past where, you know, thousands and thousands of Hamiltonians tell them something, but they go the other way. So, it, you know, great that you engaged and certainly impressive that you had so much of a response. But if you're not listening to that response, is that well, good they've engagement? Well, they've had pro and con on this. They've they asked sure people, have. They've asked people stuff and not listened. Right. And then they've not asked people and done things. So there's been both sides of it. Right. I just, I mean. So those what, would be some of the criteria, some of the general criteria. One of the things that, that the previous council, that the council you were on got criticized for was that it was a council that, you know, there was cranky behavior and stuff on council. Do you think that people in the city truly cared about behavior around the council table? If it's really offside, yes, but it never really was in my time. I mean, I did 12 years there and, and uh, proudly served. And, you know, there were occasions, there were outbursts. Terry Whitehead and I got into a few very well-publicized public uh, uh, tit-for-tats on the floor, let's say. In fact, we were probably the two individuals who uh, could be pointed at uh, for, you know, the ugliest scenes. Um, uh, but we always never took the game off the field. That was the good thing that the people didn't see. Uh, so I don't think that was as huge an issue. So council decorum is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. See, I don't I know don't, that, that anyone wasn't re- that big of a deal. I you got to remember when they campaign and that whole change thing in the I elect, everything is greatly exaggerated. You would have thought by the way they conducted themselves and the candidates they chose that councillors were supposed to put on hip waiters and check every sewer grate in the city and have full on master's degrees and what the best asphalt is on the Red Hill Valley Parkway. I mean, a lot of what they were saying needed change were things that are out of councillor's control. Right. I mean, the transparency part was in councillor's control too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know lawyers had a say in that, but but back to the, the decorum for a second. I don't, I don't know. I mean, a lot was made of that. I don't know in retrospect whether people really care about that. I, and I'll tell you why. Only if it's really egregious. Well, I agree with you. There, I've watched, I've covered meetings sometimes and watched meetings, been sitting at home watching meetings that, that all the meetings are on YouTube. And it shows you how many people are watching. And I've been watching sometimes and it says 18 people. And mm-hmm. it's like, so if there's 18 people out of a city of half a million or more watching and right. someone calls someone else a name, right. does it really make a difference? Does it really make a difference? I don't know. I mean, you, we'd like everyone to get along, I suppose, but really, does it? Well, sometimes it's where we're our worst enemies, making making something out of nothing instead of letting stuff slide, turning it into a news story and then letting it carry on and saying you're more concerned as an elected official than you really are just to demonstrate some sort of sense of, you know, moral authority or whatever. So, I mean, that's politics, right? So, so we well, make that, our stories. Yeah. That, and, that, that thing I've, I, I was never sure about. The, the thing that I would say is what, you know, how you judge whether change, I think, I think how it should be judged about whether change has come or is coming is going back to, I can't, who was it? It's the economy, stupid Bill Clinton or whatever. Are are things better for you? And, and you know what? Everybody listening can answer that question for themselves. And for some, it'll be yes. And for some, it might be no. Right. But, and, and I'm talking about things that council can control, not the mm-hmm. world's economy. I don't mean that. Sure. Are things in the city better? And I won't even, I won't even answer that question. I will leave it to the people who are listening to say, 
this is your part of the this is your part of the show. Are things better in the city for you? Things that are important to you. Things yeah, that abs- are important to you. That's that's the the best and easiest way. And to I'm and I will as it. I say, I'm not going to tell you how you should answer that question. Those people who are listening, that is for you to determine. Sure. And I think maybe there's a better way, but I think that's how you determine whether the change that was supposed to come has come in a way that is helpful. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we've been in this town for a while and we've been in media for a long while too. You kind of know what, uh, hovers around the top in terms of the majority of folks, uh, preferences and concerns when it comes to politics. And usually it's bottom line stuff. It's, am I paying more taxes? Am I, am I getting, uh, the services that, uh, the taxes I'm paying, uh, deserve? Um, you know, are, are things being managed uh, correctly, or are, are there all sorts of scandals, for lack of a better word? I think scandals is an overused term. Scandals are, are well. That's what I was saying about behavior and decorum and stuff. Mm. I just I just don't know that people uh, really care all that much. It's it's nice and it's fun. I hear and it's, you. It's fun and it's juicy and stuff, and it makes for great stories. And some of the times it is over the top, no question. Yeah, my bet is when Bertina threw that pencil all those years ago when he was the yes. board two counselor. It probably wasn't aimed at anybody. It was out of frustration and who hasn't thrown a pencil. But remember how that thing got completely blown out of proportion and, and it was McCaddy who almost got it on the chin there. Uh, but it never hit anybody. I don't think, I don't remember it hitting everybody, anybody. But um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Things can get blown out of proportion. But again, that was probably the product of counselors not letting it go and some pro, uh, 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 professing to be disgusted and, well, and, I, and all of that. I remember when I ran, Scott, uh, a lot of folks were kind of looking at me perplexed because one of my mission statements or p- big platform pieces was, I'm going to bring me, I'm going to bring decorum. <laughs> they're going, they, they, to, to me, to your point, nobody really saw a problem with decorum. And that was a crazy year. That was the pencil throwing incident year. Uh, Ken term. writes in, Ken says, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a noise? It's, I mean, it's yeah, a- um, 18, Your comment to Ken about 18 people on YouTube. You know, one of the things that, got lost in the last election. I think, I think it got totally buried. There was a main street poll that came out shortly before the election, like two or three weeks before. It was a main street research poll for iPolitics and it asked people in Hamilton, it was done of Hamiltonians, it asked people, what are the priorities for you in this next coming term of council? Number one was housing. Ton- makes all the sense in the world, considering all the circumstances that we're facing and things like that. Number two never gets talked about. Number two, and it was not all that far behind housing, was reducing taxes. Now, I understand that reducing taxes is never going to happen, but clearly taxes and tax rates and how much we pay in taxes matters to people. And yet I never, with all the things that I hear council and people outside of council talking about, I, I hear, well, we got to do about the economy. We got to do bikes. We got to do bike lanes. We got to do this. We got to do environment. We got to do, I never seem to hear anyone saying seriously, we have to do something seriously about getting taxes down because 14.2% is not seriously, no matter how you're going to deal with it, not getting taxes down. Why, why does this one not seem to resonate with people around the council table? Oh, I just, I was going to ask you, can you be, I, I needed some clarity when you say you don't hear, you don't hear from people out in the street or you don't hear it around the council no, table. No, around the council table. Yeah, mostly. I, 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 some, you know, I'm few. not, I'm, you know, 
I forgot about that Main Street poll. And, um, you know, taxes are always up there, probably top five. But to finish at number two and and uh, for, uh, you know, in consideration of the first year of this council, uh, clearly just about everybody, if not everybody around that table, missed that poll as well because you're still at 14.2. You've hired in the last year, back to your grading question, more full-time employees than the previous council did in four years. I might have got that stat from a, a Scott Radley opinion piece. And so, um, no, they they will have no choice to answer your question but to discuss it ad nauseum over the course of the next couple of months because they are right smack dab in the middle of a budget process. And it is the most challenging number they're dealing faced with and economic times in in my memory anyway. So they have no choice. They cannot avoid it any longer. And you're right, it hasn't been huge, paramount on their mind. You're right, the social justice stuff has been at the forefront. The bike lanes, what the do you th- I tents, think, I, the... I was talking to someone yesterday, I can't remember who it was that we were talking to, and I asked the question, I'll ask you the question. What number do you think the tax rate, the tax increase will eventually come in at? Well, what, what's your estimate for how far they could get it down from 14.2%, which is the prediction from finance? Right. I think that this council would be quite satisfied in patting themselves on the back at a 6.5, somewhere in that 6, 6. You think they could get it down there? Um, I think if they rolled up their sleeves and actually looked at all the whips and all those great big uh, uh, budget books and work with pretty smart people in finance and, you know, make some sacrifices. You don't have to go all austerity all the time. But they need to come out of this or during this budget process and come out of this budget process, they need to. This is my, this is the word on the street I'm hearing. They have to come out of this budget process and say, we made some sacrifices. We know it's not easy. Much like Andrea, and I commend her for this, is doing now, uh, an NDP, a former NDP leader in Ontario is now taking on the ATU. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, later. Mm. You want to talk about that, I'm sure. But... You know, you have to be able to face the public and say, we had to make some hard decisions. You know, we had to put off two years of the 10-year transit capital plan. We had to, we had to put off that expansion to the, to the recreation center. You know, we had to focus on needs versus wants. If they don't come out of this budget process and, and demonstrate that they actually carved 2 3 4% to get it to 6.5, which, again, I think they'd be happy with. I, I wouldn't be. I don't think a lot of taxpayers would be because they're used to 2 or 2.5. However, given all the situations and the circumstances, uh, they'd still be able to ha- – they would need to show and demonstrate that they did the work. Not – and this is where – uh, you know, on the podcast, I maybe went a little too hard, but this is where Andrea, or, sorry, Mayor Horvath, maybe should have clamped up instead when she first responded to the 14.2 as the starting point of the budget process, said, oh, we'll use the reserves, it's a rainy day. That's the wrong approach. Um, you could use reserves, there's enough reserves to get it down to 2%, uh, but you're going to deplete the reserves real fast. You have to use the reserves as a last ditch effort in a budget process and 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 if at all because reserves need to stay healthy so our economy in town is healthy our our credit rating is healthy which it is right now but if you start depleting reserves it, the the double a plus goes down so they have to they have to work at it and have a little bit of austerity in See, mind but not hearing, fully all i keep hearing from sacrifice people, and i don't you know and again this is this is what i believe from so many comments, what I believe most people are expecting. 
I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. This is what most people are expecting. I keep hearing, though, they'll get it down to nine and then congratulate Ooh. themselves because they got it from 14 down to nine. And I'm like, you come in at nine, uh, no people way. are going to be very unhappy. People are going to be very unhappy. And, and I don't think you can be self-congratulatory. You know, someone the other day uh, was mentioning that, well, yeah, reminding me that some counselors have said, well, so much of this is provincial downloading. There is some provincial downloading. Unquestionably, right. there is. But you know what? There's a lot of other cities in Ontario that are also facing downloading. Yeah. And I can't find another city that has a 14.2% potential right. tax increase. Yeah. So they're getting downloads too, but we're the only one that somehow has a number this outrageous. And, and they're factoring in. It's almost like they're coming up with reasons for a high percentage point. It sounds they like they're setting us up. Do the work. Yes. It sounds like they're preparing exactly. us what I'm for what's for what's coming. And then when it, and again, this is what I've heard so many times. Well, nine you know, would kill them. It's already very bad out there. I mean, that's the thing. Po- folks can't handle. It's it's tough. Mayor Horvath said it today in, in their press conference on the ATU or wherever she was. I mean, people are struggling out there. And so to say that about one issue and then come back out of a budget process two, three months from now at a nine, oh, Scott, I, you, know, you know, you did the story. I mean, that translates into, you know, probably on the average house or the average property taxpayer, 1400 extra dollars, 1200 extra dollars a year forever, as you like to say. Yes. Once it's yeah. there, it's there for good. So if you're paying $4,000 and complaining now about your property taxes, if it comes in at nine, you're probably going to be a little over five. And that is when you get into the people wake up stage. <laughs> You really do. I mean, look at it. I mean, your Main Street poll that started this conversation, number two on the list next to naturally housing. But housing, we have heard from the previous council and this council over and over and over and over and over. People want housing. People, it's a priority is housing. I agree. I agree it's a priority. But we so rarely then hear people on council saying, well, you know what else is a priority? Right behind it was keeping taxes low. Right. And right. I never hear, except for maybe one or two counselors, yeah. I never hear this being made as, you know, we have to start to whittle back because people really, really, this is their number two priority. Never hear it talked about. Maybe you'll get your wish that you had last budget process. Which I was? know you were a dog uh, with a bone on, is it possible that for the first time in Hamilton's history, a council will uh, uh, vote against a budget. Because it, it, if it's nine, you probably won't have enough, you won't have a majority oh, to support I, it. I, so you will have a, a contingent of councillors, a growing contingent couple of councillors that recognize there's a, it's too much to bear. A month or two ago, Councillor McMeekin, who was on the show talking about it, came in with a idea of a yes, tap. I heard the interview. And, and, and I can't remember now what it got put over, but it appears, if my memory serves, it appears that he potentially has enough votes to pass that. That yes. was, out, nobody thought he was going to be able, he didn't think he'd be able to pass it. Right. Now it looks like he may have an, well, that, even if it doesn't pass, even if it f- t- fails on a tie 8-8 vote, right. a budget is a motion. So yeah. if eight people have said 4% is all I'm willing to go to. His cap. Yeah, that was four. When the budget is brought, if if it's way higher than four, there are eight people right there who can vote the budget down immediately. Absolutely. So McMeekin's motion, whether it passes or not, I think send a sends a huge message to councillors that you better not come in with a giant tax increase because there's a whole whack of them 
that are willing and prepared to say, no, that's too much money. And right. I, I would be so interested to see if they would follow through with it and do it. Right. But it seems that a bunch of them are hearing the message finally. Right. Yeah. How much but, time do we have? Because no, I have a little theory on this. Well, go ahead quickly. 30 okay. seconds. Okay. Well, you know, if you had a four cap, you have um, a council that's willing to roll up their sleeves, not talk about dipping into reserves because this is a rainy day. That's the easy way out. You might use them at the end of the budget process. You can find, you can get it down to two. You can make that cap two, but you have to have all of them working collaboratively and you have to have all of them agree that they each have to make fairly equal sacrifices in their wards. They got to go back to their constituents and say, you know what? We're not going to plant daisies anymore. We're going to put perennials in that don't require the full-time employee to come water it three times a day. I don't Stuff think, like that. I don't think there's any chance that you would get across the board that you would get all counselors or even most counselors to agree to big, big cuts. I don't, I, I dream big. Dream, well, that's a good thing to <laughs> but dream. It's I, a I good way to dream. I was part of a council that ever had to deal with a 14.2. Uh, so we're just, uh, we're talking about things in the city. Jason Farr, of course, former counselor. This week in Toronto, there was a story that Canadian Press broke that they had got freedom of information documents. And the city of Toronto has said to the province, we need money, more money, or else we may not start up the Finch West or the Eglinton Crosstown LRTs that are about to open because it's just going to cost too much money. To operate. To operate. And according to these documents, those two LRTs, which are combined double the length of Hamilton's roughly will be they say is going to cost $106 million a year to operate. Two years ago, we were told that Hamilton's LRT was going to cost as little as $6.4 million a year. Net. Well, you, net. But theirs is net. So oh, you, really? Oh, yeah. So you cut I heard you half. do that segment earlier this week, and uh, I thought, yeah, but they're not talking. No, it's They're both not including the income from both the rides. Were net. So wow. you cut theirs in half. That's $53 million. Wow. We're hearing $6.4 million. <laughs> what you, you were around, council. If you <laughs> I were, was the $6.4 million guy. If you were a councillor right now and you saw $106 million, so $53 million for the same length. Can't and do it. Are you sitting there going, Can't we are it. about to be screwed because we're going to get a bill that is way bigger than we ever thought? So if back to your uh, the segment before, don't do enough housing, maybe the constituency forgets. Land around 6 7%, maybe the uh, constituency gives you a pass. If you approve a $100 million plus operating annually cost of that Beeline LRT. Well, no, it won't be that much. It won't be that because theirs was double. Okay, so, so first 50, of all, top it. even fifty, and then and then to be fair, to that part of theirs they say is underground, so it'll be a little more expensive. But let's say we it's, have one small underground. Let's say segment. it's thirty-five million a year instead of Off. six and a half or sixteen. In this climate, that would be the straw potentially that breaks the camel we call council's back. I'm sure of it because really it comes back to again. I'm you know my mortgage just got renewed. And my, I'm at a six, seven percent where I was used to two or one point yeah. five. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people struggling, as Mayor Horvath said today, and she's recognized that there are a lot of people in this community struggling. And all of a sudden, that LRT, through all its twenty years of debate, becomes a a, a nice to have. All those anti LRT people that called it the pretty little train will be vindicated because that was that will be the argument. And then, of course whatever happened to the 6 million 
And, well, and this new council will say, but, you know, I, I always wondered if it, if Fred was always, it, it, I don't know why people are saying, you know, there was a, a lot of LRT uh, uh, haters that said it isn't going to be six, it's going to be more than that. No one ever predicted 50 well, or and, 35 and, or 40. And I want to be fair. No one has come up. This is part of the problem. Metrolinx has not come up with a number yeah. for where we are today. There's yeah, been but you're, so you're, much inflation since we last got that report right. yeah. that we, it, it's, to me, it's impossible that 6.4 to 16.5, which was the range we were given, it is impossible to me that that number is relevant anymore. And it's fair that you broadcast and write about the fact that using uh, 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 Toronto as a barometer, as a, as a measuring uh, tool, because it, it is no difference. It's still an LRT. And if they're saying it's, it's on... 50 million to do 14, 15 kilometers. That's roughly what it's going to be here. It's fair to say that. Ottawa has something called the Confederation Line for their LRT. Now it's the one that's been having all kinds of problems. Damn, it's 12.1 yeah. kilometers long. So again, roughly within reason of ours. Right. I spoke to a city councillor in Ottawa this week. We're emailing back and forth. They pay $5 million a month right. to operate it. Yeah. Not we're, we're talking 6.4 million a year. We right. were told they're paying five million a month, sixty million dollars in Ottawa yeah. to do it. So I, I just I look at the the number and I think that council one of their priorities, and I know they've got a lot of things going on right now. I really believe they have to get Metrolinks to somehow come up with here are the options and here's what it's going to cost, so you know. Because the longer we put this off, right the more of a surprise, the more of a problem it becomes if, if a month, two months, five months, eight months, a year from now, they come forward and say, oh, by the way, your operating cost is going to be $45 million a year. They will have to deal with it at the time and they won't be able to get away with it. LRT, that debate will happen probably within the next six months. Well, it it just we, we it's going to be the hardest thing for them to deal with. Locally, we need a number. It's time. I I've never under I get to some degree why this has been put off, but I've never understood how we can launch into a project and not know what the project will cost us. If you buy a house, you know before you buy it what are the taxes. Generally, we have an idea what the bills are going to be. If you buy a car, you have an idea what the repairs are going to be or what an oil change is. I don't understand how we could possibly, to this point, because still. We didn't, we didn't have an operating model. Still don't. I know. Right? I know. But I don't know whether it's going to be a private operation. Is it going to be a, a 3P thing? But is that's ATU the kind of thing gonna... that surely we need to get on and figure out soon before we do any construction. We. You, this is not an anti-LRT screed. No, no. I just think we should be knowing what it will cost before we make more moves to spend more money. Let's figure this thing out and have a, a real look at what it's going to be and then make decisions. Not for lack of effort by the previous council. We, you know, just getting Metrolink to show up to some of those LRT meetings, was it's still difficult. They, they need to answer that question. And God knows for the last three, four years, attempts have been made. And not even rough estimates. Even capital costs are hard to get out of Metrolinks. I guess one spent and twice shy with them. I mean, they've been in trouble in the past and cost overruns and those sorts of things. So they, And they have the ability as this arm's length provincial organization to shut down any questions and well, show up when they want to. And it's and tough to deal with those kinds of, it's like dealing with CN. We're not even raising the question right now because we've got to go. We're not even raising the question. I don't believe for one split millisecond that $3.4 billion 
that was the last estimate for the LRT. Neither I don't, do I. I don't believe for cost. a second that that will cover it anymore. Not no, with inflation. I, times three. I don't know if it'll be times three. It'll be more than that. The, okay, well, <laughs> the province has said it will cover, province and feds have said they will cover all cost overruns. There has to be a point at which they say too much. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that is. And we'll, you know, that's something we're going to have to chase in the future. There has to be a point at which they will say that's just too much money uh, or maybe not. I don't or, know. Or, and you've had guests that have made this assumption. You may have talked about it too. Suddenly the 14K line is 7K and it starts at it, it downtown does, to Mac. It does a loop around Jackson yeah. Square. That, there's your $3.5 billion. Yeah. Yeah. We get, <laughs> a loop yeah. around. Yeah. It's like that little train down at yeah. the waterfront that just drives yeah. in a circle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, we'll see. But no, it's, uh, th- this is, these are numbers that we need to get pretty soon. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are on a Friday which means it's the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. That's what we like to call this little show on a Friday. And that means we need someone who can be the brightest conversationalist in Hamilton Radio. And uh, joining me today with his just thick, lustrous mustache that is for no, for Movember. I keep calling it, I always call it Movemberger because I much appreciated <laughs> the Novemberger over the Movember. <laughs> I wish they would bring Novemberger back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jason Farr, former counselor, former radio host, now TV star and podcast star. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sticking around. I'm also a consultant now. A consultant? Have what, I told what, you no, that? what do you consult about? I'm very busy lately. Yeah, what do you do? Well, I mean, local government bureaucracy uh, that uh, people need to stick handle with my experience. Um, different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, boring right. stuff, probably. Well, if someone were to call, or e- I don't know if your uh, city email still works, but if they need consultation on the quiz question today, maybe if you've got a way to reach Jason, you can uh, see if he'll consult you on that one. I can't. Ben knows it. Ben, Ben, you know, I get to see behind the scenes, and you quiz him before you. Yep. And, uh, he's a smart guy. Ben's right? a smart guy. He, uh, most people don't know this. He's only 14. And I know. He, uh, it's crazy. He, he's <laughs> got a, th- well, you've got a thick, lustrous mustache. Ben's got just a... An Thick. absolute mountain man beard. G.I. Joe beard. G.I. Joe. That is a that's G.I. exactly. Joe beard right it's a there. G.I. Joe beard. That's yeah. exactly right. When you cannot see any skin. No. It's just a. Yeah. A, a, grizzly bears look at Ben and say, "I'm envious of your." You, you need foliage. a team of Sherpas to get down to the actual chin there. That's that is true. <laughs> and when he goes to shave. They don't even use a razor. It's they, they they come in right away with the chainsaw. That's right. Yeah, just to and get that's down. just the first phase. And that's just the first layer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's uh, Ben is uh, Ben's got a beard. Let me tell you. Um, oh. One of your former colleagues on council, he's still there right now. John Paul Danko. Put JP out a, put out a tweet earlier this week or last week, I guess it was, because it was about the arena. And we talked about this in the show, but I want to get your thought on this. Yeah. When the when Oakview Group announced that they were going to spend $280 million of private money, not public money, to renovate First Ontario Centre, uh, which I believe will not have that name pretty soon. That name's going to change. But yeah, anyway. saw that in your article. There were a bunch of people who were quite critical of this, even though there was no tax dollars going into it. And his comment, his tweet was, Hamilton people seem to be programmed to be pessimistic or something to that effect. It was right, not, yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said. Do you share that? Do you believe that we have an unusually high pessimism level in this city? 
Uh, I think he might have been referring to, I know the tweet you're talking about, um, some people that sit around, the, his colleagues around the council table. Uh, yeah, and there are some. Oh, I didn't even take it as them. I took it as people uh, in the no, city. No, it's some councillors too. It's, it's, that it is, I, I totally uh, understood and appreciated his frustration as the, you know, councillor who orchestrated this hoop egg deal with Sam Marula. I mean, we never dreamed, Sam and I, when we put this privatization of our entertainment assets together years ago, that $280 million would be invested, mm. let alone the annualized you know, tax that we're gaining from the development and all of that. So when we were selling it back in the day, it was always in our mind and, and received as such as a great news story. Near No, it was always unanimous. It was very rare debate. One time in camera, Frugal Fergie, of all people, uh, because he, he was always frugal, uh, had uh, a few too many questions for one of us, and it wasn't me, of the two movers of this whole hoop egg deal. And Fergie uh, got under the skin of Marula, and they had a little back and forth. It was actually kind of ugly, but it was in close session, uh, because Marula was offended that anybody would see any negative side to this wonderful deal. But now it's a little different. And I am 100% behind JP. He's right. And yes, there are folks around the table, but also in the community. And maybe if I'm being honest and not trying to pat myself on the back for two hours on the Radley show, I'll do that on Hammer Down. Okay. Uh, you know, we put ourselves in this position with, with Pan Am stadiums that took too long, debates that last two decades, LRT. Uh, no matter how you slice it, we can't escape having some culpability in the Shadok spill or, you know, we hired the wrong guy to look after the Red Hill Valley Parkway, although I think that guy, Gary Moore, will be vindicated when this judge soon comes with his ruling. Mm. But we could talk about that some other time. So, you know, we, we bring it on ourselves, absolutely. Uh, but in this case, it's hard to find a downside. As an aside. Hard to find a downside. As an asterisk little aside here, uh, tangent, I believe, now I don't know when we'll ever see Sam Marula in public again, but if we could ever Never. get Sam Marula back on this show, I believe... Never. The uh, genesis of the idea came to him while he was talking on the show and threw the idea out during an interview and then took it to council like two days later. I believe he may. This show, Scott Riley's show? Remember, yeah, this is show that we were talking about something and he said. Take we me through just, it. What, what, well, what? we should just like get some private group to come in and rebuild it. Or, I, I can't remember the exact words. I'd yeah. have to go back and find it myself. But I, anyway. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I know where it came from. And it was, remember, remember Duncan Gillespie and Heck Yes, Pie? yes. So there was this two stages in the evolution of our entertainment assets. And it all started when Sam said, we need to have a private operator for our entertainment services because Heckfi kept coming to council asking for more millions every year. It got up to about 12 million. And that's when, and I was on early on in my career, we disbanded Heckfi, yes. which was the local governing body run by council, which we all admitted we, we can't put a Shania Twain on, show on if she, you know, helped us do it. Uh, so we privatized there. And that, I think, was the genesis of his, of his idea. Now, did he reveal I, it to you? I reject that. In the Samarula kind of way? Yes, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's quite possible he used you as a uh, vehicle to put the feeler out for sure. So Scott, you've got a lot to be proud of. Yeah, this one, oh yeah, I really, I, I really take all credit for any good things that happen in the city. No, I, I just, I, you I, should. I look at, I think that that Danko, I think he's onto something here. I think we do, and and with some reason, I, I think that there is a lot of cynicism in the city towards councillors, and not just 
your council, yeah, not just this council, yes. and bureaucrats. Yeah, and for sure. I, I think that, and for some of the things you said, for the stadium debates and the LRT debates and the Red Hill debates and the ongoing everything, I just, I, but I don't know if that's all that it is. I, I just, I don't know if council, I don't, I don't want to say that council is the reason, the only reason that people may have a jaded view sometimes, but it does seem that in the city that if something good is happening, a lot of people seem to be pretty quick to go, well, just wait until the flood happens or right. well, just wait until this. Wait till they see the operating costs for the LRT. Well, the, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, but that's true. Fair enough. Um, and you know what? I bet you that goes on in every city. The, the, the real and that's what I, that's, that, political watchers are the ones that can be the most that negative. Y- you just said, though, something that I don't know the answer to. And I've all I often wonder about that because I I spend my time because I'm busy and because everyone's busy, I spend my time concentrating on Hamilton issues and Hamilton right. politics more than other places. Yeah. I don't, I wonder if the stuff that we talk about here is going on in every other city as well. I know that every city has issues with their council. Every city has, you know, this or that. I just, may, maybe because we live in a little Hamilton bubble, we don't see that there is absolutely no difference between us and everywhere else. Well, we're also, know. yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you know, I mean, two, two different levels. I know London went through a, a wholesale change of their council some six years ago. So there's got to be a few communities out there that... Uh, you know, where the public finally speaks up and they're disappointed and they show it uh, when they go to the polls and they exercise their franchise. But, uh, yeah, you know, we have a lot of left-wing people in, in this city and the left-wing people tend to make the most noise. They are the squeaky wheels. And JP is not a left-wing person. Uh, and he's starting to talk about these things publicly. He didn't really do that that much in his first term as he found his his footing. He was a progressive. He still is a very progressive minded counselor he cares about those things that 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 families and 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 seniors care about and those sorts of things bike lanes he's a supporter that kind of stuff but on the other hand he's starting to come around to understanding and appreciating that squeaky wheels are getting a lot more grease than they probably should um and 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 that's a good thing for a counselor to recognize because just because you're the loudest doesn't mean you're right all the time Right. And that's what I think he was getting at. He wasn't talking about the majority of Hamiltonians. He was poking at certain individuals, a percentage, a smaller percentage of people. Uh, I, I would. And I'm telling you what he was talking about, Scott, wasn't so much the idea. It was uh, the argument about why are we giving away city assets mm. to private enterprise? Well, I just told you why. We were terrible at it. We're not very good at it. We can't run concessions at local arenas that make $6,000 a year. You expect us to run a rink? We proved over many decades we're not good at it. And when we brought in, you know, great big worldwide concert promoters, things started picking up and getting better. Uh, You know, I have been, I don't want to say critical. I mean, some may may use the word critical. You're critical. No, no, but that's fine if they want to use that word. But for a while, um, we... I was trying to find out what was happening with the arena. And somebody says, you're being critical about the arena. I don't, I didn't think I was being critical. I thought I was being, nothing is happening with this arena. When are we going to see the Uh renovations begin? Yeah. The fact now that $280 million from a company like Oakview Group is going to be put in, I do think is a real positive. Oh yeah. I read your article. It is a real positive. It was nice for a change. You were referring, you were referring to our entertainment precinct in a very positive light because you finally got some information. You got timelines. You got costs. Well, that's it. That's you it. Got- we went for how long 
where we sat there and we kept yeah. hearing, well, it's just about to happen. Oh, it's just about to happen. It's yeah. just right around the corner. We're almost all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And then we would wait and yeah. we would wait and yeah. we would wait. It's never about, is this going to be a good thing or not? Yeah. You it's, were frustrated. Sports, I think everybody you, you, was. You want to know about what's going no, to happen with every, hockey? Why, a, why are you such, treating... Jason, it's such a key, and you, this was your this was your ward. It's such a key part of the downtown. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And such a, it's probably the most, is it the most valuable piece of land in the city? It would be up there. If uh, the waterfront is the okay. most valuable, and then maybe in second, yeah. But if you were to knock it down and say, we will sell that property where First Ontario Centre is, you that would be... If not the most, one of the most valuable pieces of property in the city. Absolutely. And, oh, sure. Yeah, especially and, because the zoning is to yeah. the to the sky, and so you, it's worth more the more you can build on it, right? And you so can build a lot on those parcels. We just needed some kind of answers that this thing was actually going to happen because I think for a long time, and I heard it, a lot of people saying, "This is never. Th- th- this is just. Yeah. It, it's just been put on to indefinite hiatus of some kind." And yeah. Th- now that. You have people in who have done this, Oakview with uh, 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 Tim Laiwicki who's yeah. done this. Yeah. Now you go, okay, now we can see that something is being done. Now we can get on board with this idea. I like that he told you in the article he's going to have more Raptor action and well, that he, 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 that vowed, and sure. he vowed that he's going to bring some form of hockey. Although I'm kind of with you. That's you were, you're hinting at the fact that we really need it. I mean, well, if no, Ann Lauer's gone we, now. I'm not saying do we need it. I'm if saying, he's going to create this it? wonderful concert venue, do you really want an OHL game that gets 3,000 fans screwing up the potential for a, a Garth Brooks run for a weekend because there's an OHL team playing? I just. I wonder. I, I It's not about. I'm not saying that. It, uh, that was not exactly what I was trying to get at. I'm, my, that's, my what issue, I, that's how I read it. <laughs> my issue is I don't know which hockey team I know. going to get. I know. He's, he's not eligible for OHL or Michael AHL. Andlauer has the rights to OHL yeah. for Hamilton and 50 kilometers around. Yeah. He's got many people from Hamilton, as I understand it, still going to Brantford to watch. He doesn't want to have all those people yeah. not there. He has. He is an NHL owner now. Yeah. He. Do you want to put an AHL team into his backyard? Is any NHL owner going to say, ah, oh, forget you, Michael. I'm just going to drop a team into the area where you have a team in that region? And the bigger problem is with the AHL, any, every NHL team is putting their AHL team as close to their NHL team now as possible because every day you travel counts against your salary cap. You're paying guys salaried on travel days. So you don't want to pay them when you're calling them. Salary caps are so tight. So I don't know, unless it's the Leafs. Yeah, they won't. That you could lure to come here. But the Leafs run. They got Brampton as a song. They got a lot of options. But they manage Coca-Cola Arena at the Rico. What was the Rico Coliseum? Why would you move a team out of. the new women's professional league? When are you going to write a Radley column? That's a good option. Uh, Maybe okay. in year two or three when that league, the original six expands Do and it you... proves to be successful, which I think it will be, especially in Canada. I That'd be something because it wouldn't play as many games. I hope it would be successful. I think it's I... going to be good in the right rinks. In the right rinks. Right cities. But I will reserve judgment on whether, cause I, because we haven't seen it operate. And we haven't seen how they're going to do things. And we have, so it's, yes, it would be great if a women's league worked, but we haven't seen the people who are in charge actually do it to know that they're going to do it right. Remember uh, many years ago, after the World Cup, the Women's Soccer World Cup 
in right. Los Angeles where Brandy Chastain ripped her shirt off with the sports bra famous picture. Remember right. that one? Yeah, of course I remember that. And it was one. on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I knew you would, but yeah. <laughs> uh, they, in the wake of that, because there was so much attention on that, they got something like $100 million in sponsorships and investors and everything else to yeah. start a women's professional soccer league. And that league, within a few years, had gone completely, used up all the money and was gone. Right. You need, it's not just enough to say, we're starting a women's league. It's going to be great. You've got to do it right. Right. You have to operate it properly. Yeah, true. And so. And you know what? Now that you're making me think, rethink this, it, operating costs, back to that, at a big rink like that for for an upstart league would be probably a little out of whack. And need to start smaller. And I also, oh yes, I agree with that. And I also worry every team that has come to Hamilton over the years that has not been an NHL team, which is all of them, has been in a tough spot because Hamilton has it in their mind that we are going to get an NHL team and I'm not into anything but the NHL. That's been ongoing for 30 years now. I don't know that a women's league is going to overcome that any better than any of the other teams that have been here would. We both... We both agree it's damn good hockey. It's great hockey. I mean, when you watch the Olympics, when you watch the women play uh, in, at the highest level, and you know that this league will be full of some of the best women, in the, the best women in the yes. world. It's, I think the, the biggest part that you got to overcome is your product. Is it entertaining? It's good hockey. I think it's going to be. It's okay, and I'll and, say one other thing before we go to a break. It's a growing uh, sport for women. Yes, it, and it will be good hockey, but, and again, I throw a but in here, I think it's going to be very good with the six teams that they're starting with because you've got enough high-level female players to fill six teams and have yeah. depth all the way down the lineup so they can play. It's just the team names that are a problem. I well, heard your show on yes. that. You you revealed that. By one. But oh if you God. double that number of teams so that Hamilton could get an expansion team yeah. or well, triple it, happen, yeah. do you have enough high, high-level players that you can still have the high level that you will have with six and that the NHL for years had the problem where they had too many teams and not enough. Now they've caught up. They're players now. They've got depth where you can do it. But for years, your third and fourth lines in the NHL mm. were terrible players. They were goons and they were pluggers. Yeah, They weren't good hockey players. Well, you're talking about today's Leafs as well. So there's still examples out there. Third and fourth lines. Uh, in studio with Jason Farr, former Ward 2 counselor and radio host. He, uh, we're sitting in a studio here, and right behind me there's a window, and if you look through that window, that is the studio where once upon a time Jay and Big D in the morning used yeah. to broadcast from a few Those years were ago. Some tough years for me. I was a real, I lived the life of a rock and roll DJ. Did you? You were, oh, you yeah. were Johnny Fever? Had I not moved on and I wanted to become a talk show host, they launched another talk show. It was yes. a fledgling station, and they, I was the anchor. Uh, in the morning, and and uh, I uh, only did, took that on because it would have killed me if I stayed at Y108. Is that right? <laughs> oh, me and Duraco, we were out every weekend and weeknights, and Alan Cross was the PD. He'd look at me like, you you sleep? Did you sleep at all? Well, speaking <laughs> it of was, that, and I was thirty something, so I was it was it would have killed me. Let me let me. You may know you may remember this story, and I may have told the story before. I don't know, but when you were on that other talk station, the startup other talk station in the city. Yeah. One morning, I got a phone call at, I don't know, 5 o'clock or something. What time did you guys go on the air? 5.30. 5.30. So it would have so been 5 been o'clock. 5.35 probably yeah, because okay. the, the phone call came right away, and I guess one of your guests had not picked up the phone, and so your producer called and said, 
can you come on and talk about something? Well, I'm not up at 5.35 yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So it, the call woke me up and it was like, yeah, okay. And it, then he goes, okay, I'm going to put you on hold. And all I, all I remember later was hearing, Scott, Scott, <laughs> because I had fallen asleep with live the phone on live radio. on the air yeah. with my phone on my chest. You, there were three people that you could call and you could rely upon. That's why I, I, I'm probably your biggest fan because you know, you were always great, a great interview, but always very reliable. And you had a clear love for radio. You were really good at it as a guest. Well, and now, nice you now obviously as a host, but you, Donnie, ironically, your yeah. Monday night guest and uh chief Mullen. Yeah, Anytime Mullen. our producer called, they would answer and they would come on and Mullen would actually come in and he'd bring coffee. Well, the other thing you did to me one time on that station, and I don't know if you remember this one either was similar scenario where I got woken up very early by your producer to talk about my column that day. And when I came on the air live, so you can't say, hey, I got to hang up. You started talking about the column I'd written and it's very early. My brain's on it. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? I don't remember <laughs> writing this. And you can't say, I don't remember no, writing this. No, no. And thankfully, right before you came to me with a question, you were looking at the paper, I guess, and you said, oh, wait, that's Milton who wrote this. <laughs> I was so relieved because I thought I have completely, my memory is going. I forgot completely what I'd written about, but no, oh, it was Steve who wrote it. Those were the anyway. days. We could go on the next 20 minutes. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're not going to because I got to ask no. you about the Grey Cup, which oh. is in town next weekend. Right. How much do you think... We, we were talking to Neil Lumsden on the show yesterday about this, yeah. and I asked him this question, and I don't, I don't know that he has an answer, and I don't know that I have an answer. I don't know if you have an answer. It's great when the Ticats are in at home. Mm -hmm. Of course, we would all love for the Ticats to potentially be in the Grey Cup, and we'd love it if they were here. We saw what happened in 2021. It was great, the excitement and the buildup. Right. But you think it's better for the Grey Cup, for the Grey Cup festivities, for the Grey Cup economy for the Grey Cup, everything that the home team is not in it, because now you're going to have a lot more fans, presumably coming from some other city to fill hotels and eat at restaurants and drink at bars and do all these things. Or do you think that the Hamilton people would have brought just as much spending and just as much money if the Ticats were here? Uh, so Wednesday live on Hammer Down, we had Ryan McHugh, who you've yes. had on the manager of tourism and yep. events for the city. First question I asked him was that. Is that right? I said, is, I actually, I, I, I asked the question like I already knew the answer. And so my answer would be way better not to have the home team for economic, local economic spinoff. And I said, Ryan, isn't it better now? Now, now our hotels, if they weren't sold out, are going to sell out because we know that every, almost, a lot of the fans now are going to be from outside the city. They need a place to stay, number one. Number two, if your home team's in, you're probably going to entertain at home, if anything, and you're not going to go out to dinner and lunch the whole time you're here. Or if you do, you go out one night as opposed to five, maybe, or six. Anyway, he's an expert. He agreed. Okay. He didn't give me a number. He just, you know, sold the 25 million locally, 55 million provincially is what it'll still roughly add up to. But he did, he did agree that it's better on the local side to, you know, you get a much better chance, he said, Except to fill all the hotels. There's a caveat here. Unless the Argos get in, 
because True. I don't know if yeah. people from Toronto stay in a hotel. And I, I think Montreal's going to beat them this week, well, actually. I, got I, a I funny wouldn't be feeling. surprised. I wouldn't, Toronto has not played a meaningful game in a month and a half. And, and it's the CFL. Two. I mean, yeah. they've won the, the games that weren't meaningful still. And yes. They broke their record and all of that. And they are statistically a much better team than Montreal. But it is the CFL. It is the playoffs. And they are the Argos. Do you think that fan? Okay, so do you think fans here in Hamilton would like the Argos to be in the Grey Cup so they can scream at them and boo them and have a clear favorite? Didn't you have a guest on saying that that's what happened the last time? Well, uh, I, oh, M- M- Steve, Steve, we're talking about Milton. Steve Milton said they were all <laughs> the Hamilton fans the last time Toronto was in Hamilton playing the Grey Cup. They just screamed Argos suck the whole game. So, there's so that. yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> or or do, so do you think fans here would want that so they can just? have something to cheer for because if the Argos are in guaranteed the Western team is the favorite. Yeah. And the crowd will be behind them. Or do you think that they would prefer that Montreal get in so they don't have to worry about that? No, I think it's the first one you said. I think, yeah, now that I, you know, I, I think that it, for the local fan experience, for those attending, and there'll be many Hamiltonians attending and participating in the Great Cup, they would love to have Toronto so they could really give them the business and put their so- support behind either Winnipeg or BC. I just, I, it, we when we talked with uh, whoever it was this week, it, it did come up, though, could you imagine if it's Toronto and Winnipeg? Now you've got Mike O'Shea, yeah. the most hated yeah. Ty Cat. That was former Milton, Ty that was your Cat. No, interview, yeah. Most hated Ty Cat of all time, probably, former Ty Cat yes. against the team that you hate the most. Uh, you've got nobody to cheer for. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're cheering for a blizzard is what you you're know, cheering for at that point. You're a sports guy. It's something about the Grey Cup, though, that transcends. I mean, it's just so much fun, and there's so much camaraderie amongst all fans from all CFL cities. It's almost... You kind of wish there was a little bit of, because I've been to a few and it's like, everyone's too nice. Yeah, that's the other reason why I do not want the Argos to win this weekend. And it's it's truly almost nothing to do with football, is that I believe that you would have many more people from Montreal come and stay. Right. I don't know that Toronto, that the fan base for whatever it is, they were drawing like 10,000 fans a game for them. I don't know that they're going to spend the money and come. They've had a bunch of Grey Cups recently. It's not like it's new. I think this thing is vastly better off from a purely financial standpoint if Montreal beats Toronto this weekend. Vastly better off. Yeah, you make a good argument. Let me ask you a question. Montreal people love to party, as I understand it, so they would come here and... Yeah, and they would they would live here. There would be no Torontonians commuting back Very and forth. Few. So there, there's there's a better argument for economic impact locally. And I always used to make that argument as a counselor. One of the many times I would fight with consistently on that on on a subject was with Terry Whitehead. He didn't believe much in economic impact. He, he, he well, would always argue against either. it. He'd end up supporting it, but I do. I've been yeah. super crawls where the restaurants run out of chicken. I've seen it firsthand. Oh, I believe there is impact. Oh, I, big time. I believe there is economic impact. I always question the numbers that come out that I always think, okay, I do think that you are going to sell more food and have more hotels and all that stuff. But some of the numbers that come out at times, I go- 25 million. Yeah, million. I'm ah. not sure. But, but nonetheless, I, the, co- the, the underlying the, concept, I do agree with. These numbers are garnered by people much smarter than us. It's actually Ontario Tour. That, that did a, a number of the festivals that I used but to But the argue. one number, Jason, that they always throw in there that I always raise an eyebrow at is when they say, well, it's exposure. What's the exposure worth? I, I'm all yeah. for, I'm all for, yes, the amounts of meals that you sell and yeah. merchandise Hotel and beer and all and, yeah. that stuff. That is quantifiable 
I agree with but all of that. Exposure costs money and Ex- can be measured. Marketing yeah. dollars you spend. Okay, so do you that think, you don't have to spend because of all this publicity? Do you and people truly talking? believe that somebody in Vancouver, if whether they get in this weekend or not, if someone in Vancouver is watching the Grey Cup in Hamilton? And they show the aerial shots, the drone shots of Hamilton. Do you believe someone in Vancouver is saying, Martha, you know what we got to do? We got to go to Hamilton next summer. I don't know. There will Where be in some. BC? <laughs> there will it be depends. some, but I don't know that we are seeing thousands and thousands of people across the country make their summer vacation plans to come here because of the fact that a Grey Cup is on TV. Don't discount how an ATU disruption, if it's still on, could negatively affect the way we are portrayed as well Uh, because uh, there'll be a lot of upset fans from elsewhere that can't get to the, the, you know, the stadium's still a bit of a trek. And there was a lot of plans for shuttle service, and now they're saying not only will they be on strike, but they're going to somehow disrupt Metrolinks and their plan working with the CFL to get people to the games. At least that's what mm. they said today. Yeah. So that could turn uh, out to be really ugly in terms of our image as well. You I know mean, who's loving it? Uber Eric drivers. Tuck. Oh, Uber drivers. Oh, yeah, Lyft. I talked to a Lyft driver the other day. You know what they charged the morning of the strike? More than double what they normally would I don't charge. doubt it. I don't doubt it. We only got a few minutes left here with Jason Farr. There's a report that's come out that Neil Young apparently has a secret show tonight at a Toronto bar. Cool. So, yeah, th- those are... Have you ever have you ever stumbled into one where you've... Because uh, you were in rock and probably. roll radio for a long time. Uh, probably. Or it's Friday you, night. Or did you, ever see, did you ever see a group before they hit it big where you said, oh, yeah, oh, I saw yeah. them when U2 they were. Oh, yeah, at Horseshoe. Really? Uh, Hothouse Flowers at w- Waterloo, Fed Hall. There was another one. Um, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to go to shows all the time. And it was always a thrill to see them make it big. But U2 was, that was pretty cool. And then I caught them at the Gardens, their first big arena show. Oh yeah, I got a bootleg poster of that still at home somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't know that, uh, I, I've heard all these stories and I'm thinking to myself, where have I been? Because I don't think that I've ever, uh, there might be, but I don't, I can't think of a group that was, Yeah. you know, that I'm took off to after of I was. Local artists, uh, there's a lot of Mac kids that would have seen the Arkells at the downstairs John or, or the Phoenix before they made it Oh, big. I've seen some, 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 you know, great, uh, we, uh, when I was in university at Ryerson, what used to be Ryerson, now Toronto Metropolitan University, uh, David Wilcox playing in the bar right. there, which I, I... He probably still does play I in the th- bar. <laughs> he probably still <laughs> does. Uh, you know, David Wilcox, I would argue, we had him on briefly last year because he played the Dundas Cactus Festival. We had him on before. I, ar- I would argue David Wilcox is probably the most underappreciated Canadian rock star ever. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, he, live he's very much appreciated. He's got a, quite a fan base. Yeah, but you if you were to ask anybody in Canada, name your top 10 Canadian yeah, they musical acts, he would never show up. No. I mean, not never, but I mean, he would almost never show up. You'd go through the list of, well, I, I think you could make an argument that David Wilcox could, on some lists, find his way in. Yeah, on live show, on durability, d- yeah, character. Still doing it. Catchy tunes. Best bald performer. Yeah. <laughs> He's up there with Gord Downey and a number of them. Certainly not Neil Young. I wonder where that, that would be fun to catch At the Rivoli. Like yeah. At the Rivoli. So if you're in Toronto listening to us, head to the Rivoli immediately, You just if not discovered sooner. it is the Rivoli? Well, that's what oh. they said. He's a rumor to be playing. Well, I thought you said an undisclosed location. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. Wow. 
Oh, wait, no, no, it happened. Oh, at the Rivoli, November right. the 4th. All right, forget it. If you're okay. there, don't go to the Rivoli. Yeah. <laughs> ignore ignore this note. Unless the Red Hill Valleys are playing, eh, Ben? That, 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 yeah, that'd well, be a good show at the Riff. We've got... I saw Billy Bragg. Right, now he's playing... You can't hear it because Jason doesn't have headphones on. We're now playing Copacabana in the background. <laughs> That's where Neil Young is playing, at the Copacabana. All right, folks, thanks for being here today. Jason, thank you for coming in and doing yeah, this Yeah, I'm bringing today. my headphones next time. I hate it when I can't hear what Ben plays for us. Sir. Ben, some of the stuff His Ben was just saying about you. Yeah, 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 Jason, <laughs> when, when Ben is talking, Jason can't... For those who don't know behind the scenes, Jason can't hear right now. So Ben could literally say anything about Jason Farr. <laughs> don't, don't, Ben. <laughs> Thanks for being here today, uh, yeah, Ben, thank Jason. You, Scotty. Ben, thank thanks you. for your work, folks. Have a wondrous weekend. Yes. Enjoy it, and we will talk to you on Monday at six. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.